Dankeschön. Good afternoon. I'm a little bit shy because I'm not a moderator, but it's a beautiful film. Thank, Thank you. Thank you so much for this. Thank you very much. Uh, Sorry about the long credits. I think it's the, it's, for, it's the longest credits for the shortest film. Yeah. <laughs> because maybe because of the contract, we have to you know, make the film longer. Starting from the credits, the movie ends with a dedication to your parents. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's not a secret that the, the life of your parents or the nature of their love is uh, at the core of this film. That's Tell right, yes. It was, my, my parents were very good dramatic characters <laughs> and a very volatile, <coughs> uh, um, ill-suited couple uh, who, however, uh, lasted 40 years with breaks and a few divorces and marrying other people and changing countries. <laughs> so this kind of strange paradox of their love, which is like, it's a love that actually became my image of, because I'm the only child and they were the only parents I had. So for me, they were, they were like the matrix of all love stories in a way, for, for, for better or worse. So, so I always carried this, this, this story in me, not this story exactly, but that kind of story. And periodically I tried to write, write it up, turn it into a story, into a film. Uh, and, uh, and then uh, slowly as I moved back to Poland and made Ida, it became doable uh, and, and necessary to do it, you know, and doable in the sense that I had the tools to do it. You know, I actually realized how you can sim tell a story elliptically, simply, visually, uh, and and also I came up with this idea of music, the music ensemble, which kind of gives me the the, the possibility to uh, you know to use music dramatically and to definitely remove. This story from my parents' story, and yeah. it was a big. In fact, mu music uh, is a very capital aspect of the film, both in its uh, narrative uh, uh, consequences and uh, from the technical and, let's say, mise en scène point of view. Yeah. Yes. So, yes. Tell me about these two choices, like the music as, as a narrative device and as a, how do you achieve the incredible complexity of this? Through work, uh, mainly. I mean, I, I didn't think of it so uh, so abstractly to start with. You know, I always like music in films. You know, like uh, music that's part of the story, not film music necessarily. So I I always pay attention to that and try to use that dramatically. Uh, but w as soon as I thought of this folk ensemble, uh, I s I saw that it's a it just helps with the story. Uh, because you know, the folk ensemble is what brings them together, the heroes, what keeps them together, and music is what you know constantly co comments on where they are and, and when they are um, in the story. So, so it wasn't like an intellectual decision, uh, you know, music. It was more a folk ensemble, great idea. These tunes are brilliant because I used to. I mean, this folk ensemble is based on, on, a, on a really existing one uh, called Mazowsze, with whom I grew up in Poland. You know, this, they were very, not exactly popular, but they were kind of rammed down our throats by the, by the, <laughs> by the, the state media. You know, it was the people's art that was in the 60s and you know, 50s, 60s, 70s. One of the successes of uh, these uh, 
Cold War propaganda. Well, exactly. It was a kind of our local people's music as opposed to jazz and uh, 12-tone music or whatever decadent stuff the Western, Westerners came up with and CIA supported. <laughs> uh, so, um, so, yeah, so, so, you know, once I so revisited that folk ensemble, I went to see them. They still exist. And, and, uh, and, and I actually went to see and hear them live, and they took my breath away. They were brilliant. You know, it wasn't... It wasn't this lifeless thing that I remembered from my youth and childhood, which was on you know, bad radios or, or black and white TV. I'm not talking about black and white. Uh, but yeah, but uh, it was actually three-dimensional live, uh, vibra vibrating in, with sound and just bodies in space, you know, dancing uh, and beautiful, beautifully arranged voices. And I thought, well, this is just really beautiful. You know, I'd love to bring it to live, well, record it and, and give, you know, show it to the world. But, but also the, these songs are so beautiful, let's see what else we can do with them. So I chose three songs that, that I liked a lot, but also that had the potential to be simplified or reduced back to kind of roots music, which they weren't at all, you know. Mm. Uh, so I gave them, uh, I asked these folk performers that you see at the beginning of the film to perform them in their own way and make them sound authentic, uh, inauthentically. And then, and then I asked a, a musician friend of mine, Masetsky Marcin, who's a brilliant kind of musical jack of all trades, to take these three, three tunes and turn them into a, a kind of jazz chanson, a bebop number, you know, the first thing you you hear in Paris, when, you, when we cut to Paris, is, is, a, is it Oberek, Opoczyński, but in a kind of bebop, bebop uh, rhythm. And, and the third one is this song you hear in a studio where, where she sings, Land de toi, Land de toi. Yeah. And that's a really melancholy Polish song, which you hear at the very beginning, Dolina, Dolina. So it actually, you know, all these tunes kind of work brilliantly um, in different forms Shape. to kind of keep it all together but also kind of reflect where, where they are, you know, like suddenly she has to sing this stuff about, you know, little hearts, not getting it together, but she sings with a French text uh, and some metaphor <laughs> written by, uh, by, by Jean Balibar, like the lover of her, uh, lover of her. Uh, so anyway, so, so it all wor works. And, and then, you know, because they had this musical relationship at the beginning, I, 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 I couldn't think of a good kind of seduction scene un until I came up with this with this Gershwin uh, number, you know, where uh, Victor starts playing the chords from "I Loves You, Porgy," and then checks whether she intuits the tune, uh, which she can't have heard in real life because Gershwin in '49 in Poland, but she kind of intuits the right notes, and he and there's some kind of and he kind of senses, and hopefully the viewer senses that there's some hope to that you know they they they'll, they'll get it together. And then, and then, you know, the other music, the rock around the clock, is is, is a kind of uh, spanner in the works. You know, it's, it's do you see that the, the music for Victor and Zula, uh, 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 there is a different kind of way in which they respond to music. Speaking of that sequence yeah. of rock around the clock, well, Zula is a totally self-taught, intuitive creature. You know, she she was, I mean, she she sang obviously as a kid, and she and she w watched Soviet musicals, and she kind of knew. New, new, uh, new music from that side, and she kind of imitated what she heard. Whereas Victor is is a well-educated in, in, in the backstory of Victor. You know, he studied in Paris before the war under Nadia Boulanger. He's not a great musician, but I mean, he's not a genius, but he's a great musician. So he, you know, for him, music is a whole world of 
possibilities. Well, for her, it's something visceral, and you know, she she reacts to it immediately, and she and gets it attention. instinctively. And and yeah, and at some point, that becomes like he doesn't react to rock around the clock at all. He doesn't even notice. Whereas she's carried off by it. Yeah. The, 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 the visual aspect of the movie is so important. Um, in the first place, uh, the Cold War image that mm -hmm. it's depicted in the film, uh, does it come from memory? From, uh, uh, because it, it has a very beautiful dreamlike quality to me. And I wonder if that's something that comes from the unconscious of you, of your growing up, or it's more like specific to uh, visual research. I definitely have a, well, there's both. I mean, there's a lot of visual research went into it, went <coughs> through a lot of, with the production designers and my DP, went through a lot of uh, photographs, uh, footage from the period, most of which was black and white. But, but also, uh, there's, uh, I mean, my, my urge to make films in Poland comes from some kind of nostalgia, you know, for a, a simpler, more spare world. Uh, with less color, less or no color, less movement, you know, less noise, less information, you know. So there is a kind of deep-seated nostalgia for the simplicity of childhood, you know, which is, uh, and I'm not saying nostalgia for communism or especially Stalinism, but but that kind of s uh, visual s s spareness and the fact that the few objects can suggest a lot, you know, rather than being bombarded with seductions from all sides and you just kind of lose your you know, and that you, you goes know. to the usage of the academy aspect ratio and the black and yeah. white, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, the black and white, you know, that that in this case, black and white wasn't wasn't uh, the original idea. You know, uh, with with my DP Wukash, I, I said, well, let's just think of some kind of colors. You know, you know, so we don't, you know. So we don't make another black and white film, you know, so I don't go down as the director. Just it's a very black different black and white for me. Though. It's very different, yeah. But then we, we just tried all sorts of ideas with colors, looked at kind of Soviet type of Technicolor, you know, there was a kind of Soviet version of Technicolor with washed out greens and reds and or Orvo, you know, the East German stock. Uh, we couldn't get it, but we could approximate it visually. But it all felt very arbitrary and fanciful, you know. So, so actually black and white felt most kind of honest, straightforward. And it's a very different black and white to, to the one in Ida. It's much more contrasty okay. and, and kind of dynamic. Um, Did you have also nostalgia for certain films, certain cinema of the 50s and the 60s? I have it, yeah, generally, but not for any particular film. But I, I just, I've watched so many, you know, over my uh, 50 years of film watching, let's yeah. say. So, so I, ha I have, uh, yeah, uh, and, but, but not necessarily black and white. I mean, you know, I just watched coming here, I was watching on, on, in a hotel on TV, there was Pal Joey with, um, oh, yeah. with a great film with Frank Sinatra, and it's in color, but it's kind of American saturated. Color. I have a nostalgia for you know for another for for another world generally. Um, yeah, yes, but of course you know. And, and the funny thing is when, when critics you know uh, talk to me and they said, oh you you know there's a bit of Koto uh, Tamo Peva you know it's a, a Serbian film which I indeed I, I I saw and I loved. Oh, there's a bit of Tarkovsky. Yeah, of course I love Tarkovsky. It's not exactly Tarkovsky this, but uh, but you know the uh, you know or, or Blonde in Love. You know there's a lot of films that if you were if you try to, which were not consciously uh, referred to, but obviously it's all kind of sitting there somewhere, somewhere there in yeah. my DNA, and and some Bresson, some Bergman, uh, 
but there's a Polish director who I realize is very close to me, Wojciech Haas, uh, who people don't know very well, but I don't. Uh, not so, uh, yeah, but not the kind of serial stuff he did in the 60s, but uh, three earlier black and white films he used to do. And I'm not talking about the visual style, more about a certain sensibilities, sensibility, irony, ambiguity, and just dealing with feelings and not making heroic films, you know, heroic Polish cinema, just being really, being able to deal with intimate stuff, you know. So, so there's a lot of baggage, you know, but, but there's not one, one director or even a few. It's basically some total of influences. This movie is, uh... I mean, the, the, Victor and Zula cross Europe. Like they go from Berlin, Paris, of course, Poland, Yugoslavia, and uh, and uh, I see this is a very quintessentially 20th century uh, dreamed European story mm. made by you mm -hmm. now in this Europe that is completely different, but in a way it's the product of that yeah. Europe. Did you felt that? Did you try to encompass something in that direction? Or again, it's something unconscious that comes out. I think it's uh, it's a <coughs> byproduct. I mean, I told more or less the story of my family. You know, I mean, not literally, but it's true that you know they all left. They both left Poland. Uh, well, we meet with my mother and my father separately. And 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 at, I was at the time there was still the Iron Curtain, and the kind of encounter with the with the West was uh, was quite a quite a shock to the system. I mean, in, in, in a good way and in a not su such a good way. Uh, so, no, I wasn't really trying to make a point about today, but inevitably, you know, it does that, you know. And about Poland today, strangely, mm. you know, it actually feels much more... Heroism versus... Uh, a kind of narrative, you know, our, but also like our national, you know, this is our national culture and this is, you know, to, you know, to hell with the Western, you know, decadence. So, <laughs> so, you know, there's a lot of echoes, but it wasn't the reason why I made it. It's just kind of when you actually, you know, dig and work on something, suddenly all these other things come out in the process. No? You said that you built the story and then you kept growing the story by mm. actually making the movie, yeah. particularly working with your production designer and DP, and yeah. that you wanted to encompass a certain sense of documentary to the way in which... Yes, and with the actors. Created. It wasn't that I was growing it, I was more reducing it, you know, while making it rather than growing going it. To the but constant going to the essence and, and inventing new things and dropping others that were kind of less promising. I mean, the script, there wasn't really a script. There were like 170 versions of the script, you know, and the actors of, very often woke up in the morning to do what, what now, what, why this, you know. So it was, I had this kind of freedom, courtesy of my wonderful producer who's here, Tanya, yeah, to, uh, to have a certain leeway, you know, with the, with, the, with the filming. We shot it, not exactly chronologically, but, they were like, but the beginning was sort of roughly shot at the beginning. I mean, the first half and the second half was shot towards the end. Uh, and, and we had five-day weeks. Uh, on the sixth day, we rested. On the seventh day, I, I was in the cutting room and kind of just seeing how the, what life the film actually had, you know, just forgetting the script and coming up with like better solutions for scenes that I knew were just kind of functional. Uh, I mean, some scenes were really, you know, clear and great, you know, already uh, at some point in the script, but, but that kind of feeling of just kind of sculpting it, you know, taking away, you know, some scenes, for example, I had this, uh, many scenes that, uh, that it were dropped. There was a scene, for example, just I remember today, uh, with, um, with Kaczmarek, you know, the communist apparatchik guy who, 
before uh, Victor, before they defect to the West, there's a, there was a scene bet between him and Zula where he says, you know, I know you, you, I know what you're up to, I know, you know, Victor, you know, he's, he's, he's impressive and so on, but, but you and I, we come from the same world and, you know, we're both uh, mongrels or something, you know, there was quite a good dialogue scene. But then I thought, oh, we don't need it, you know, and I, I just kind of... Um, you shot it and dropped it? With, no, no, I could see, I kind of, I, I rehearsed it, you know, at some point, and I thought, no, nah, it's just too obvious, you know, we kind of get it anyway from the images and the situations. And to the great uh, disappointment of, the, of Boris Schitz, who played Kaczmarek, I just cut it from one day to the next, <laughs> and he couldn't recover. <laughs> ah. My best scene! It's a character-defining scene. <laughs> so, well, your character's clear anyway. You know, like, he cut it before shooting, otherwise he would have been devastated. Yeah, afterwards. maybe, maybe. Joanna Kulig is your third time with her, right? <coughs> yes, but it's the first time we have a really substantial role, you know, where, it's the whole film, she's practically in the whole, well, she's... You thought of her writing the... I, th I thought, I thought of her. Uh, I knew she exists. I, we're friends as well, you know, and I kind of, uh, I fell for her, uh, artistically <coughs> speaking, uh, like eight years ago while uh, uh, casting a kind of early version of Ida. Uh, and I, I looked at a lot of young actresses and she just left an incredible uh, like after image, you know, when she left the room, he said the light's gone out of this room. You know, mm. she was just great. She was great. She was uh, kind of honest, straightforward, charming, had great energy, um, and she sang as well. You know, during this audition, she said, "Do you mind if I we stop talking? I'll just sing something." And then she sang this peasant song, you know, this mountain song, like, uh, and and then you know, I don't know how how could I not be impressed? But. But she was not right for Ida, looking so Slav and mountainous. I mean, like a mountain girl. Um, so, um, so, anyway, so then I, I did a film in France uh, with Ethan Hawke and Christine Scott Thomas. So I kind of invented a character just to have her in it um, as a counterweight to, to Christine's character, who, who was kind of mysterious and, and dark and dangerous. And I had this her, which was light and... Uh, Possible salvation for the hero, rather banal ideas, but you know, but it was, but they were like incredible contrast. And there, she, I can ask her to sing as well. She sings in that film a Polish song, which, and it was a kind of foretaste of things to come. I know, I know, we'll be back and she'll be singing in, in some and film, rather. And then in Ida, she she became the pop singer, and she did that very well. But there was not there wasn't much acting, just kind of singing and and prancing about on stage. Uh, and f and during you know the development of this, I kind of knew she'd be great. You know that she she I, w I didn't know. You never know entirely whether she had all these characters in her. You know because the because um, Zula is, starts one way. You know she's this kind of girl. You know the survivor. You know girl who lives by her wits, uh, cheeky and so on. And then and then sometimes she becomes this grand dame. You know a bit like a Lauren Bacall or something. You know and then she. Is this her this tragic heroine, you know, and yeah, so there's a different thing, but she was she I mean, it was it was great working with her, you know, and kind of stretching it and see how far we can get, you know, but it wasn't it wasn't certain we we'd get there, you know, so uh, so when we did get there, it was you know, it was great satisfaction to right. all of us. One thing that that helped her a lot, and what well, me too was that she had to spend a lot of time with this folk ensemble to learn the steps, to learn the steps and to learn the choreography of the songs. Also to be, because and in, to be. you see that they 
are a company. Exactly. You don't and see an actress uh, being part of a uh, yeah. detached in a, in a world. It's part of it. Exactly. You know? so, so that, and that was like a six months process. You know, twice a week she used to go to this chateau outside uh, Warsaw where they rehearsed. Like for, sometimes she even stayed the night there. She made friends with them. She became part of the collective and they all loved her there. So it kind of helped her get into get into character as well. Uh, and also it helped her understand why Zula doesn't flee to the West quite so easily, you know? Because when, when I told her the story, she said, you know, why, why wouldn't she, she loves the guy. And, and then after, after a while, she said, I totally get it, you know? I mean, the collective is great, you know? They, there's a lot of love there, they look after you, they look, uh, look out for each other. And why would she want to leave for the West where she doesn't, I mean, she's a, she, She's really at home in that collective, you know, just as uh, Joanna was at home <coughs> rehearsing with, with Mazovsha. Uh, so, yes, yeah, so, so this idea you know, of, you know, here I am, I've got this, the best, she wangled, you know, she conned her way into this great job, you know, in people's Poland, this is perfect, you know, you, you, look, you looked after, you're taking on tours, you even go to Paris on tour, you know, it did happen. So why on earth would she want to leave for something Which is unknown? great because uh, the cliche of the Cold War times is that people wanted to defect. Yeah, just by, by definition. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, no. Is there any questions from the audience? The gentleman? <coughs> what do your parents make of the film? Uh, they, are, <coughs> they are, they're not around anymore. They both died in 89, just before the wall came down. You know? So I don't think I'd be so, <laughs> so free and easy with that. With I wouldn't have used their names for one thing. You know, cause I, I did use their first names. Yeah, yeah, but it's kind of these. Uh, it was inspired by by the Polish version of the Lomax uh, of, of Lomax, um, the Sobieski couple, couple of ethnomusicologists who went round, and I saw some photographs of them, uh, black and white, you know, with this big microphone and a in the winter. So that was the, the that was the inspiration more or less. But also the founders of Mazowsze, Sigetinski and Mira Zimińska, his wife. They did something similar, uh, not as ethnographers, but as uh, founders of this folk ensemble. They actually traveled the country, collected songs or tunes, collected uh, outfits or, or, or inspiration for outfits. You know. so, so it's a mixture of Sobieski's and, uh, and, and, the, and this couple uh, that, that inspired the opening sequence. How does Vincent Cassel get involved? Vincent Cassel? Yes. Hang on, hang on. There wasn't Vincent Cassel. No, it was Cédric Kahn, a French director. You, a you friend of mine. the director to play. Yeah, a, a, a director who is a, he's a great director, by the way, yeah. and, um, and he's a good fr friend. And I, didn't, and I didn't want an actor. It's not a kind of acting part, you know? It just has to kind of be. And I also didn't want a kind of well-known French actor who would kind of unbalance the whole film, you know? I had some, I, talking to some French actors, like really, like Vincent Landon, for example, was, I thought, good, if, if this really famous guy turns up uh, in a film with relatively unknown actors, I mean, in the world, not very well, you know, they will kind of uh, un unbalance the film. So, uh, so Cedric Kahn agreed to, for, for, for funds, for fun, I think, more than anything, to come to Wuj, Wuj which stood for Paris, and to spend a few days just kind of, uh, you know, acting. And, 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 and to this degree, I love the casting of Jean Balibar and the scene yeah. with the with the cool Zula is, is quite fantastic. Yeah, it's good. It's really no, no, she just embodies exactly yeah, that. Really, yeah. the lover and the great yeah, poet and the great poet. Any uh, other questions <laughs> over there? 
get the mic. <coughs> the mic. Hi. Um, you haven't talked about the ending, which was sort of bleak and shocking and beautiful, and it made sense. Obviously, it's a slightly different story to your parents in this one. She actually <laughs> abandons the child. But what made you decide to end it in that way? Hmm. That was the origin of the film, actually, the ending. You know? So it wasn't a decision. It was just like the basics, the basic um, fact of um, of the story. They disappear. They, they yeah. become part of the whole, which is quite yeah. They evaporate. Some, cinematic. Some, yeah. Somebody didn't understand what happens to them <laughs> at the festival recently. They said, "Maybe the pills didn't work." <laughs> yeah, but no, but they didn't have it. So why did you decide to cut it there? You know what? Uh, so how does it end the whole thing? I said, "Okay, fuck, <laughs> 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 obviously." I said, they just go across the road and vomit, and vomit exactly. out the pills <laughs> and move on. <laughs> With what they call yeah. open finale. Yeah. You can make it yeah, whatever you could be. Anyone else? Uh, that's the least possibility of a sequel, I suppose. Gentlemen. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. The microphone. <coughs> Hi, Pavel. Um, could you talk a little bit about the editing? Because I, I sense that um, in the episodic nature of it, which worked brilliantly with the music, um, and the paring down of it, you must have had to make a lot of decisions and what, how much restructuring was there during mm -hmm. the edit? Well, the restructuring was already happening in the writing and then during the shooting, you know? So actually, there were, you know, the editing happened a lot, most of it during the shooting, you know? And because I don't do coverage, you know, I tried to shoot as many scenes as possible in one take, you know, or in one shot. So there wouldn't have to be too much editing, editing, you know, it's more like where do we come out? Uh, and, and, and there I tried to be as syncopated as possible, you know, so it's not like this kind of heavy, you know, it's everything, play, everything plays out. I just wanted to kind of have a bit of a kind of jazzy syncopation going. Very dynamic, keep, I mean. Very yeah, for a static film it's very dynamic, no? Very much. Uh, yeah, it's not yeah, static no. at all. No, it's not static. <laughs> but, but also I tried as, uh, to have as much as possible in, in, in one shot, not to have to cut around it, you know, so which took ages to get right, you know, to actually set it up, sh shoot it, uh, you, you know, where the actors who are in one shot kind of all fire at the same time, uh, where the background kind of works, where the, all the extras don't do anything silly, you know, where the, <laughs> where the framing is right, where the, or the camera move is right, and, if, and to get all these things to work, in one shot, you know, it's, it's bloody complicated, but it, it does save you time relighting for different angles, you know, so, so it became like, each shot became like a sculpting process, you know, so a bit of that, bit of that, then it's, uh, okay, I'm straying away from the editing, sorry, no, no, but, but anyway, I was trying to get as much right as possible so I wouldn't have to kind of work it on in cutting room, you know, and also for me, that's the kind of magic of cinema where things mysteriously come together like in a well-shot, beautiful documentary where you're just like, the light is perfect, something unique happens at the right time. Uh, but, but in this case, you know, to get there, you needed sometimes 30 takes, you know, and, and the exhaustion of actors and everybody. <laughs> so, uh, and, then, and then we, you know, put it together as we, as we were shooting. Also, we had gaps in, in, in the production because we moved around a lot, a lot of locations around Poland and, and abroad. So the film, when we finished, the film was practically edited, you know, there wasn't too much to, um, you know, the editing was happening here, you know, and um, a lot of it, yeah. 
Did you see the music as characters in the film? Because I did. But. Uh, well, now it seems like it. But I always like music to have a presence, you know, not to be like some sauce that you put on later, but like it's, 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 it's always like present, you know, when it turns up, people notice there's music, you know. So I didn't think of it as a character, literally, but, you know, but I wanted it to be, uh, you know, like a, like a good, like good photo strong photography, strong music, strong faces, <laughs> you know. That's where you work from. Mm -hmm. One last question? No, one? Thank you. Congratulations, it's a beautiful film. Um, I'm still quite shaken by it actually, but I, I wondered where it came from, the, which I really liked was the economy of just really seeing their story and not anything much outside of it. Um, except briefly maybe when, when she's gone and he's alone. Mm -hmm. But mostly it was just them. Yeah. And I, I just wonder artistically where that came from, whether that was always a plan or whether that happened. That's my general tendency these days to avoid shooting scenes I don't like, you know, and scenes which explain <laughs> things. Like, I just want to shoot stuff I like on screen. Yes. You know, like a, so it didn't come from anywhere special. No, it was just interesting <laughs> that you didn't see them apart, really. You. Uh -huh. You only oh. saw their story, you know, you didn't Yeah, because see. apart then you just get melancholy scenes yes, where somebody yes. walks and sits in a cafe. I don't know, like, what, what, yeah. what do you do? <laughs> no, I want things to have like, a, I mean, there were a couple of melancholy shots <laughs> with, with him alone. In fact, there's just one, you know, when he's sort of sit, uh, just making the decision to, what well, picks up his suitcase and leaves, you know, so that was a punctuation. But I, I don't like these kind of films where there's no tension in the shots. No, the I really scene. enjoyed that. Except BAFTA decided to make it very immersive today and we were freezing. I don't know if... Ah, yeah, Cold War. <laughs> yeah, yeah, very good. Very good. Which kind Does of added it you, something. It kept you awake or on the contrary? I don't know how it works with it. Definitely kept me awake. Kept away, yeah. <laughs> no, it was an amazing film. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank Great. you, Paolo. Thank, Thank, Thank you. Thank you so much. Good time. That was the best. Great. Thank you. <laughs>